You're listening to. You're listening to. You're listening to. You're listening to. The Life Tree Community Church Podcast. It's great to be here. Just to let you know, um, that video is all of Southeast Asia. Um, so not just Indonesia, it's all of the countries in Southeast Asia. And the cool thing is, it was filmed by our friends. Um, so all of the footage isn't from Google. We didn't just rip off Google. Um, you know, that's real stuff. Those are real people. And the emphasis, like you could see, was on never reached people. There's literally people, and it blew my mind the first time I ever heard about it. There are still literal people all over the world who've never heard about Jesus, which I don't remember who preached a sermon once, but they said back in the 80s, Coca-Cola was able to reach almost every nation uh, with one of their banners. So if Coca-Cola can do it, I'm pretty sure the gospel should do it as well. So this morning, we just want to quickly share what's been going on in Indonesia before we get into the word of God. Um, we want to thank you. You've been faithfully supporting us and praying together with us over the past few years. And God has done some incredible things. Um, we're blessed to be able to serve in Indonesia. We just want to show you a couple things um, and just give you a little update before we move forward. So this is a picture of our family. Uh, it's my wife, Kelly. And our daughter, Amelia, who loves church. So today when she saw uh, kids' church, she just kind of didn't want to come back. So <laughs> she's in there today, and she loves being there. You can go to the next picture. That's her. So she had never experienced a pumpkin before, uh, so he brought her back, and she loves pumpkins. Next. All right, this is one of the coolest things that we're able to do. Uh, we were able to partner with a church in the city, it's an international church, but it speaks English. So everything we do um, in the service is in English. But once you leave the door of the auditorium, people just start speaking Indonesian again. And uh, we were able last year to be pastors of that church for about a year. And uh, just, you know, during our term there and helping them out in that way. And uh, today we're really proud to say that the permanent pastor and all the staff, they're functioning every Sunday as one of two church locations with about 750 people, uh, which is really encouraging to know. And uh, they're really doing a great job in everything they're doing. So we were really proud to have been a small part of that. Next. This is one of our favorite pictures to show. It's a picture of our small group that we were actually part of, not really one we were leading. But the reason why we show this is because even though we were missionaries and pastors in Indonesia, we grew and we survived almost in a small group and really connected in a group, in a small group of people. So we encourage you that if there are small groups here or connect groups, we highly encourage for you, if you're not part of one, to get plugged in and or to get involved in some way because it can be a matter of surviving or not. So, yeah. All right, next. This is one of our other favorite things to do. Um, everything's a favorite, you know. You don't have to pick one. So uh, we love to church plant. Uh, this is exactly what Pastor Dan said I said no to. And, you know, it's awesome as I'm getting a little bit older I've told the Lord no to three things. I guess four. You reminded me of the fourth. First one was, uh, you know, Lord, I'll go to Bible college. I'll do whatever you want, but I am not going to work with children. And Kelly and I were children's pastors for two years, and we loved it. Uh, then the second thing was, Lord, I'll do anything for you. I'll go anywhere for you except another country or Cleveland. And uh, I still haven't gone to Cleveland yet. If you're from Cleveland, I have nothing against you. I just I don't see it. So, um, 
but we're missionaries. And so that was the second thing. The third thing was, Lord, I'll never pastor. If I'm a missionary, I don't want to pastor because that's just silly. And of course, we did that and we fell in love with it. And now here we are advocating church planting because the Lord wants his kingdom to be built where people have never heard the gospel. So we would go into places like this with our people. And actually, though, what we would really do is find people. It's not so much we're going to go plant a church. We're going to go do this for you. It's, hey, can you do this and will you do this and we can help you do it. So we would find local people in the middle of nowhere and turn a field that looks like that. And you can go to the next picture into that. And so for, you know, about six hours with a good dedicated group of guys, we could get a church up and then we would look at them and say, now you can finish the rest and we'll help you resource that. And then we check up on them. As of last year, we finished uh, 70 church plants in the past seven years. And um, we're just really blessed to have been there. Look, if I can do it, and I'm on the top of that roof with my thumb in the air, uh, I am not good at building at all, and I'm not that big of a guy. You can do it. So if you ever want to come, I love your little, your term, lumberjacks. Like, I'm going to steal that. So life tree lumberjacks, um, I invite you. Come join us. The, the really cool thing about this church specifically, if you can see the lady in the front holding number 64, she is actually a woman lead pastor in the village in Indonesia, which I think is really cool because Indonesia is the world's largest Muslim nation, and usually they oppress women and really ask them not to be a part of anything or don't give them a voice. But the Assemblies of God in Indonesia are for women, and they love women doing ministry. So I just think it's really cool. All right, last picture. This is where we're headed in the future. So we were in Surabaya, Indonesia, which is the second largest city. You can see it there, kind of, in the bottom middle. And uh, it had about 12 million people. And so we were there. We loved doing that. Um, But then when we got back this past summer, the Indonesian government actually declared that they are moving the capital city. So the capital city is Jakarta. And it has about 37.5 million people. Uh, so you think New York's big. It's, you know, small potatoes. So they're literally going to move the capital out of Jakarta because the ground is sinking, uh, literally. So, like, geographically, it's sinking into the ocean. Um, so in the next five years, they're going to move the capital to where that little red dot is on the map to a city named Balikpapan. Now, we got back, and about a week after we returned to America, the Indonesian government declared that that was their plan. And we looked at each other because we'd been praying about Balikpapan for a year, not knowing that it was going to be the new capital. And we looked at each other and said, no, that's not a coincidence. I'm pretty sure the Lord had put that on our hearts. So we are still praying, Lord, if this is your will, we want to go to Balikpapan because there's no English international church. And actually, the churches in Indonesia said, We want somebody to plant a church there, and we're not good at doing city churches. Would you send somebody to do it? And Kelly and I kind of looked at each other and said, yes, we'll we'll do that. So we're asking the Lord, if this is your plan, we're planning for that in the future, because we know someone's got to go to the new capital and reach them with the gospel of Jesus, and we want to be able to do that. So we're asking you to pray with us, continue to pray with us. God has great things in store for Indonesia. Just a quick testimony of our time in Indonesia. Uh, I don't know if you mentioned, but I'm a missionary kid from Indonesia, so I grew up there till I was about 17, from a month old till 17, and then we went back together as, as adults. But 
I can, sure, I can tell you the testimony of the legacy that a church can leave, and I'm sure many of you have been impacted by this church. It's amazing what a church can do when it's serving the Lord and building the kingdom of God. And it, it was probably Christmas time. We were having a Christmas outreach. And, you know, to get people to come, you always try to give out free stuff, right? <laughs> so we were giving out free popcorn. And, of course, the only person who we knew how to work this specific machine was a young Muslim girl. You know, just the Lord knew she needed to be there today, that day. And at the end of a service, when you are a young mom or a mom of a young kid, after a long day, you're really tired and you're like, I got to go home. You know, it's, I'm done. <laughs> but as I see this girl sitting there cleaning up the machine, I just feel like, you know what, it's not enough for her to just sit in our lobby, sit in the service and v- see what's going on. Maybe she needs, maybe somebody hasn't talked to her yet. So I sit down with her and I just begin asking her about her life and all these different details. And I ask her, I said, have you ever been in a church before? And of course, her answer is no, she's never been in a church. And on top of that, I ask, have you ever heard of Christmas or do you know what Christmas is about? And she was like, no, you know, I've seen it in the malls, but I don't really know what that's about. So I thought, well, great, let me tell her, you know. So as I begin telling her this story and the gospel, you can actually see her whole face changes. It's just amazing whenever someone who's been waiting their entire life to hear about the gospel, and when they hear it for the first time, you can just see their face change from one thing to another. And at the end, I asked her, I said, do you want me to pray for you? And she was like, yes, please, please, please pray for me. And as I'm praying for her, she starts crying and crying. And at the end, she says, I think God made me meet you today. And I don't share that like, wow, look at us, we're doing so well. But I share that because this girl was sitting in a church and had not heard the gospel story. And maybe you know someone who has sat in a church who has not heard an accurate representation of the gospel here in Robbinsville, New Jersey. I can, I'm sure each one of you have some, a name in your mind now. And I just encourage you, we're called to go to Indonesia to reach the never-reached who have no option of even going to church yet. But you have people here who you can invite, who you can share the gospel with, and it's never too late or it's never too early. It can be someone you just met or maybe somebody in your family. So I just encourage you today to share the gospel wherever you are. Let's pray together real quick before we look at the word of God. Father, I thank you for today. Lord, I thank you for your heart that you care deeply about everyone who is yet to hear you and know you and come to follow you. God, I love what we teach here at Life Tree from root to fruit. God, we want people to have a relationship with you. But God, I pray that today you would put a burden on our hearts to be the ones who would go and find those who have not yet chosen to follow you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I pray that you would bless us now as we hear your word. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, it is great to be here. Thank you so much again for having us. Uh, It's great to finally meet some of you and uh, to spend this time together. I want to look at the word of God today quickly. And uh, if you have a phone, go ahead and open it up to Matthew 25. We're going to look at that, and the verses will be behind me as well. There are some Bibles in your chairs. You can use those as well. 
And we're going to talk about something that honestly had been on my heart for the first two years. You know, my first experience as a missionary, I grew up in Pittsburgh, uh, so I love Pittsburgh, still do. Uh, I don't know how you guys cheer for who you like in this part of the country. I don't know if you're Giants fans or Jets fans or Eagles fans or Patriot fans. Nobody's a Patriot fan, and if you are, we'll pray for you later. So, uh, you know, I'm still a Steelers fan, even though I think they're not doing too well. We're more of hockey people. If anybody likes hockey, we're diehard Penguins fans because we're awesome. And uh, it's great to be, you know, in a place where people are so like, you know, well, you know what, you're wrong. And so I love being in Jersey because, uh, well, we can just have fun. So I grew up in Pittsburgh, and every time I encountered a missionary, I, I knew what it was, I knew who they were, I knew what they were doing. And actually, whenever they would share, I would hear their message, and I would understand it, and I would like it. But then I would look at it, and I would say, yeah, well... I will even give my money to it, but it's still kind of in the distance for me. That's not me. I mean, I've got a job. I'm, I'm in school. I've got kids, whatever. I, I can't do that. I just It doesn't work. It, now it's at a distance for me. And that's how I treated missions my whole life. And then I met my wife, Kelly, and, and the world changed. And I'm saying that to you this morning because... I read through this part of scripture multiple times during my first two years as a missionary. And I still look at it because there's something God wants you to learn this morning. And we're going to look at it together in Matthew chapter 25. So if you're there, we're going to start in verse 14. And he says this, again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. And he called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was, on, while he was gone. He gave them five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. He then left on his trip. Now the servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earned five more. But the servant with the two bags of silver, he also went to work and earned two more. Verse 18, but the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. Now, I'll be honest with you. While you're in another country, there's a lot of things that you need to learn. Like my wife grew up in Indonesia. I didn't. So I I couldn't speak the language. I I didn't even know where things were. Uh, You know, I wasn't used to 95 degree weather. I wasn't used to 12 million people in a nine mile radius. I wasn't used to. 150 motorcycles to one car ratio. I, you know, like I'm not used to any of that. And for some reason, this is what God gives me. It's just like back in my head over and over again. I'm like, Lord, this has nothing to do with me right now. I, I understand that one guy invested and one guy invested and one guy didn't. What does that have to do with me? I have to learn all these other things in my life. I'm going to set this on the shelf. And God was like, no, you're not going to set that on the shelf. You need to pay attention to what I'm saying. And I kept reading it and I came to realize that there's a word in that part of Scripture, talent. Now, I know that we're using bags of silver in the version of the Bible we're reading, but in another version, it it uses the word talent. You know, a talent was something that had great value. And if you do the research behind that word, you know, finding the original meaning of that word, it actually means 20 years' worth of someone's salary. 
which is a lot of money. So it doesn't matter how much you make every year. Just multiply that by 20. That is a lot of money. And so he gives one guy 20 years, one guy 40 years, and another guy 100 years worth of salary, which we would all love. Paul, the Apostle Paul, in the New Testament, he actually talks about the same kind of word. He uses the same word when he talks about spiritual gifts. A lot of us, if you've been a Christian for a while, you want to develop your spiritual gift. You want to know what God has given you. You want to be used for a purpose. You want to discover your calling. You want to be used to your full potential. You want to make a difference. You want to find that spiritual gift. And the reason I'm talking about that this morning is that just like the parable of the bags of silver, the talents. These are things that God gives us. They're not from us. They're enabled by the Holy Spirit to be invested in God's kingdom. You and I literally have, each and every one of us, have something that God gives us that you cannot create on your own. And he says, I'm giving this to you because I want you to invest it in my kingdom and I'm going to use you for my glory. Now, read about this part of the message is when the missionary, when I was a kid, would say something like that, and I'd be like, check off. You know, it's like, I'm, I'm cool. I like the video. I like the table. I like the free candy. No, I, that can't be true. You know, Kelly and I arrived in Indonesia about nine months after we got married. We had just graduated college. Uh, we fell in love with it. We just loved everything about it. She was about two months pregnant when we got there. And so during the course of that time, the first year, uh, we were on staff at that church. And uh, we were just like what I like to call the fill-in-the-gaps pastor. You know, Hey, can you go get coffee for the meeting? Yes, I got coffee. Can I buy some donuts? Is that in our budget? You know, I'm like that guy. And so like, hey, you know what? All of our pastors are sick. Unfortunately, you have to preach on Sunday. And I was like, yeah unfortunately. <laughs> so I preached like, you know, twice a year and I loved it. And, and it was great because I had no experience and we were really young and they were gracious to give us that platform. Well, then about halfway through our term, we were there for two years. So one year in, uh, there was a, a sudden transition in our staff. So I mentioned we had two church locations. Each of them were in the mega mall. So there's two giant malls. Uh, if you've ever been to King of Prussia Mall and King of Prussia, multiply that by five. All right. So our churches were in the mall. It's free parking, and uh, it's a big space. And so our pastor of the second church really felt like God was changing his course of direction, his ministry, and he, he actually came back to America. And so our senior pastor looked at us and said, hey, you have a year left. We're getting ready to construct a new building here. It's a million dollars. We don't have a pastor Everyone's going to freak out. So can you do that and manage the whole project and preach every Sunday and be their pastor for a year? And I was like, I don't think so. <laughs> I really don't think I can do that. That's just not a good idea. I'm like, you have to have a better plan than this. Like, you're a senior pastor. And he was like, I think it's the right move. And I'm like, well, I'll pray about it. And so we prayed about it for about a week, which is all he had given us to think about it. And a week later, we went back to him and said, okay. Maybe, as crazy as it is, God's going to use me in a way that I can't really understand. And so we began to pastor this church, and there were about 500 people, and I had to do weddings, which when they asked me how I usually do weddings, I just said, well, usually. And I was just, you know, referring back to my college course, like I had never done a wedding. 
Don't tell them that. I don't know if you guys live stream. <laughs> don't tell them. So, you know, I did weddings, I did funerals, we counseled people, which made no sense because we'd only been married for like a year. And again, we didn't tell them that. We just kind of just went with it. And God started doing crazy things. People were getting saved. People were getting in better relationships. People were getting married. People were getting healthier. The church was growing. We raised a million dollars and moved into the new building. Everything was fine. Nobody left. And I remember looking at that saying, I love this. Something I was like concerned about and something I was very confident that I was going to fail in became something I was incredibly passionate about. I want you to to learn something this morning, and this is where we often find ourselves. This is an issue that we allow ourselves to happen. We, We allow this to happen in our life. We often equate our abilities with God's ability. We often think, I can only do this much, and so therefore, God can only do that much. I only have this much money, so therefore... I can only give this much money. I'm not here to to preach about money, but these are real questions we have. I only have this much education, so I can only do this much. And the list goes on and on and on. And then we begin to build this box around what God can do, because all we're thinking about is what we can do. I don't know how. I don't know if it's going to work or my personal favorite This is where I found myself. What about other people's opinion? What if I fail? Will they be disappointed? Will God be disappointed? He can't do that with me. I want to continue looking at the story. Verse 24 says, Then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you to be a harsh man, harvesting crops where you didn't plant and gathering crops where you didn't cultivate. So I was afraid to lose your money. So I hid it in the earth, in the ground. Look, here it is. Have it back. Now, I know we skipped forward a little bit in the story, but this man was so afraid of what might happen, of what he was convinced would happen. He didn't understand what was before him. He didn't understand what God had given him. He didn't understand that God's abilities aren't determinate on our abilities. And he said, well, better than lose something, I'm going to hide it because I'm so afraid of what God would do if something goes wrong or if I'm not able to do it. He actually allowed his fear to distort his image of God and his relationship with God began to suffer because we know that God is not a harsh God. We know that he's faithful and loving. We know that he's gracious and merciful and he wants to use you and me. And he began to look at God in that way because he thought that investing in God's kingdom had to be logical. It has to make sense to me. I've got responsibilities. You just gave me 20 years worth of money. Well, I should probably stick some of that in my 401k. Should, you know, stock market's really good right now. So, you know, what about my kid's college fund? Oh, I should probably pay off that debt. You know, the list goes on and on and on. Or if it's not even money. It doesn't have to be money. What about your time? Well, you know, I, I can't really take three hours a week and go do... Like, the list goes on. And he looked at that 
And he began to say, well, what if? God, I'm afraid. So I'm just going to, whatever you gave me, I'm going to set it on the shelf. But in verse 16, the Bible says that the servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest. Another translation says he went immediately. He quickly. That's, that's the concept here. He quickly. He didn't even think about it. He was, you know what? You've given this to me. I know what it's for. I'm going to quickly go and invest the money. And he earned five more. The servant with the two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. I want you to understand it's not about what you have. I spent a lot of my life, and I know that we're still fairly young, but I'm still learning. It's not about what I have. I don't have much anyway. I don't have a lot of stuff. I don't have a lot of experience. I don't have a lot of knowledge. I don't have a lot. But it's not about that. It matters where God is going to use you. It doesn't matter what you have. It matters where God is going to use you and where he's leading you. Because what we have isn't ours anyway. This is very important, not just for missionaries. This is something that each of us needs to know, that you and I have something given by God to be invested in his kingdom for his glory, and he's the one that's going to lead you and guide you to do it. So it doesn't matter what it is, it only matters where he's leading you. I learned this principle when I first started dating Kelly. I, uh, you know, went to the University of Valley Forge, like Pastor Dan mentioned. If you don't know where that is, uh, you know, it's by Valley Forge. <laughs> so uh, if you go there, you know, there's a little Bible college. And I met Kelly on the second day. If you're, you know, in that age group, don't do that. Uh, you know, you should spend more time and get to know somebody. But, you know, we went for it. And uh, the Lord is faithful. So we got married. And, uh, but on our first date, I had, like, no money, which is fine. So I thought, I'm going to get as much as I can and take her to get some sushi. And I was like, yeah, dead fish. So went and got her some sushi. Later found out that that place didn't pass, like, the FDA. So we each got, like, food poisoning and uh, what happens after that. So um, we didn't know that till the next day. So during the date, I was like, this is awesome. And so after sushi, there's a little family-owned grocery store across the street. So when you're in college and you don't have that much money, you eat nasty sushi, and then you go across the street and you walk through a grocery store. That's a great date. And so we walk through the grocery store and I'm thinking like, oh well. And so we're walking through and I'm like, hey, do you, do you need anything? I'll, I'll get it for you. You know, I just wanted to prove like, I can provide for you. It's only been a week, but if you're thinking about the future, because I am, I can provide for you. And so she's like, yeah, actually I, I do need something. Hang on. And so she like walks down the aisle and now my heart's pumping. I'm like, I really hope this doesn't cost more than $5. <laughs> so I'm like, because that's all I got. And so she goes to the aisle, and then she finds something. And, and I don't see what it is because her back's kind of turned to me. And then she goes and reaches and picks it up and turns around and goes, yeah, well, I, I really do need some toilet bowl cleaner. And I'm like, a little weird, but I'm buying it. And so she put it in the cart. And I'm like, I could totally buy that for you. I didn't even spend a second to think if that was weird or not, which it was very weird. So guys, don't do that. I didn't spend a second to think about it. I didn't even care where in the world I was. I didn't care how much money I had. I didn't even care what she picked out. 
All I knew was, I'm investing in that girl because she's worth it. I grabbed that toilet bowl cleaner. I went up to the, the cashier, and it was like another college-age girl. I was like, toilet bowl cleaner. And I just like stuck it there, and she was like, yeah, okay. <laughs> and so I just wanted to show Kelly, I'm ready. I'm ready to go forward. I'm ready to do this. I'm ready to invest. I don't understand. I don't know why you need toilet bowl cleaner. It kind of sounds gross. I don't care. It doesn't matter what I have or what you have or how much it costs or where in the world we are. I'm going for it. This is what the men with the two and the five talents, the two and the five bags of silver said. Lord, you've given this to me. I don't need to understand it. It's not mine anyway. It doesn't matter how much you've given me. All that matters is that I am right here and I am going where you want me to go and I'm ready to invest it in your kingdom. God, this is the second thing I want you to remember. God has given you a specific gift for a purpose. This literally is in millions of Hallmark cards. And that's okay because they're right. God has given you, you might think like me, I grew up in a town of 2,000 people outside of Pittsburgh. My friends literally drove their lawnmowers to school. It was weird. I didn't do that because my dad didn't let me. But, you know, we enjoyed life, and it was small. Didn't ever leave the country. I always thought that, yeah, this is, you know, not me. I'm just going to whatever, and I don't really have that many gifts. I'm not, no. God has given you a specific gift for a purpose. He is not limited by your abilities or my abilities. He wants to use you for his kingdom. He wants to use you to find people who've never heard about him. Let's continue on. We're going to end here shortly. Matthew chapter 28. Flip through a few chapters. Now the great thing about these two stories is Matthew chapter 25 is the last parable, the last story Jesus tells his disciples before he's led to be crucified. It's almost like a pep talk. You know, hey, before I go, this is the last thing I want you to remember. Now, I don't know if there's a lot of biblical significance to that, but I think it's quite interesting that he talks about talents, gifts, investing in God's kingdom. And then he goes and he's led to be crucified for our sins. And now, in chapter 28, this is the first thing that followers of Jesus hear. Matthew chapter 28, verse 1. Early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone, and sat on it. And his face shone like lightning, and his clothing was as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear when they saw him, and they fell into a dead faint. And some other translations say they literally pass out. Verse 5, the angel then spoke to the woman, Do not be afraid. I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. Well, he isn't here. He has risen from the dead just as he said he would. Come, see where his body was lying. This is the important verse, verse 7. And now, go quickly and tell his disciples. Tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead and he is going ahead of you to Galilee. 
you will see him there. Remember what I have told you. The angel doesn't allow them a lot of time to just sit there and say, oh my goodness. Now you need to understand there's an earthquake. A massive stone that took two massive guys to push is now pushed aside. And those two huge guys are passed out. And just to top it off, there's a glowing angel that you can literally see. And he looks at them and says, don't be afraid. I would be gone with the two big guys because I'm not that big. And so that's all happening. And it's not so bad that they stood there and said, wow, this is amazing. I can't believe it. But the angel looks at them and says, go quickly. Don't wait any longer. I'm Mary Magdalene. I had demons cast out of me. I I have no, that's not me. I'm good now, but like, that's not who I'm supposed to be. Or I'm the other Mary, the one who doesn't really have a last name. You know, it's like, I, I, I don't, it don't matter. It doesn't matter to me. I love Jesus. I love what he's done for me. But this whole telling other people about Jesus, this whole thing about investing in the kingdom of God, this whole thing about believing that I have a specific gift, I'm good where I am. And I'm going to keep it at a distance from me. I'm going to ask Nikki to come back. We're going to end in just a few minutes. I want to encourage you this morning and challenge you. There are things that God wants to do in your life. There are things that he's created you specifically to do for him. There are things that you might be looking at and you might not be able to to figure it out in your head. And it might not be money. It might not be time. I don't know what it is. But I do know one thing, whatever we do, whatever we have, there's only one place we should end up, and that's finding and saving the lost. That's what we're here for. That's why we come together on Sunday. It's to praise God and to say, yeah, we got to finish this thing. we got to go and, and tell people quickly. It's not enough for me to just say, I loved it. Look, all I need is him, but all that we need to do is find the lost. I know I'm stepping on like some, you know, fences here theologically, but let me encourage you. You might be living your whole life and say, I'm a Christian. I love Jesus. He's doing incredible things in me. I've only been a Christian for a couple years. You're the perfect candidate. You're exactly who God's going to use. You're exactly who God wants to send. Look, sometimes we define our abilities and we determine our purpose because our understanding is so limited. But God wants you to know this morning, He wants you to reach your fullness in Him. He doesn't want you to have a boring life. He doesn't want you to have a limited life. He has given you and I access to His power. I can't do it. That's okay. God can. I don't know how to get it. That's okay. God will lead you. I don't know what to do next. That's okay. Just ask Him. Has anybody seen the movie Frozen 2? Oh, man. Come on, guys. <laughs> it's available now on all of your platforms. So, there's a part in the movie at the end where Anna sings a song can't believe I'm preaching this. The song says, just do the right, next right thing. 
Just do the next right thing. And it, it sounds silly, but look, I don't know how to follow God. Just, just ask him. Just do the next right thing. What was he asking you to do? Okay. I, I really just don't understand this. I don't have enough money to give this right now. That's okay. Just do what he's asking you to do. And you find yourself, this is, this is the key, this is the whole message. Allow the Holy Spirit to work in your life. What do you mean by that? Hey, John, go that way. Yeah, okay. I, nothing happened, God. I know. Hey, John, go this way. Ooh, that kind of looked like something. You keep doing that, and then here's what happens. You might not see what happens in the present, but then you look back and you go, I've been walking with God this whole time. I literally, he's been with me. That didn't stop God. That didn't stop God. That sickness was healed. That person got saved. That financial burden is gone. That building was built. Those people are here. Everything starts to happen and you look back on it and you say, well, that didn't work. That didn't work. That didn't work. Satan, you have no power over me because Jesus is with me. And I am now willing to say, yes, God, do whatever you want in me. I am going to go right now. That's what it means. Holy Spirit, move in and through me. And he begins to do things in your heart. Because I'm going to skip the next verse, but I'm just going to go to the last point. He has given you and I power to make disciples. He's given you and I power. The Bible says you will receive power. Now I know that allowing the Holy Spirit, seeking the Holy Spirit, I know that that can be something that sounds really confusing. Just do the next right thing. It's not about what you have. It's all about where God is leading you. I want you to know this morning. It's not just about missionaries. It's not just about pastors. It's not just about good people. It's not about any of that. God is going to use you if you let him. I just want to end with a story. Kelly and I were in Indonesia. On May 2nd, our daughter was born, 2018. She's almost two. Uh, having a child in Indonesia, the Lord has given Kelly incredible abilities. Uh, everything was fine, but it's still a little bit, you know, uneasy. So we had the baby. Ten days later, we're at home. Kelly's mom was actually in the country. It was Mother's Day, Indonesian Mother's Day. So, we were, we were, oh, it's American Mother's Day. Celebrating Mother's Day, Kelly's mom came to preach. So we're all there, and it's in the morning, and you have a 10-day-old baby, so we were going to go into the second service, just kind of getting used to that. And all of a sudden, I started getting a ton of texts on my phone, which I never get on a Sunday because I'm getting ready to preach. So I kind of set it on the corner and just said, that's weird. Well, they kept coming and coming and coming and coming, 8.30, 8.35, 8.42, whatever. And I finally said, I've got to read through these things. So I opened them up, thinking that it's going to be about a microphone that blew up. And so I just kind of like open it up. And of course, the first one says, hey, everybody, be very careful. We're going to figure this out. And I keep reading. Hey, a bomb went off this morning in a church. And I remember thinking, nah. Hey, another bomb, and I, I started reading through the, the text, another bomb went off this morning, and I knew where these churches were. They were really prominent churches in the city. Hey, 45 people have died now. The third bomb just went off. 
we have to cancel church today. We've got to cancel the rest of the services. We've got to bring everybody out because we could be the next target. We're the only English church in the whole city. So we cancel church. We bring everybody home. Now I'm in like super dad, super pastor mode. It's like lock everything down, figure out what's going on. While I'm doing that, Kelly gets one text. So she, you know, reads the text and it says, Hi, Kelly. If you need anything, let me know. Really heartfelt, really nice. Didn't quite recognize the number, so we just read through it again. Hi, Kelly. If you need anything, let me know. I just want to make sure you're safe. And it was this girl who we had only met like a week before. We had actually hired her for something. She's a younger Muslim girl, just like the popcorn girl, just a different lady. Not a Christian. And she says, if you need anything, let me know. I want to make sure you're safe because you are the only Christian I know. And I remember Kelly and I looked at each other and everything else just kind of stopped. And it was like the Lord punched us and said, don't ever forget that because you live in a city of 12 million people. And if it takes bombs to go off, for them to know me. There are other people who don't know me. How could it be that out of 12 million people, I was the only one, Kelly was the only one that she knew that had the potential, the, 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 the ability to tell her about Jesus. Let me tell you, if it's all that we were ever able to do was to say, we reached one person, Lord. That's all I want to do. Reach one person. Help me do that today, Father. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes with me? I want to pray for you. Pray that God would open up our hearts. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you have given us abilities that are empowered by you. They're not from our own skill. But God, you said, I want to use you. I want to be glorified. I want my kingdom to be expanded through you. I thank you, Lord, that your abilities are not limited by ours. And I, I, God, I just ask that you would teach us to allow you to work in our lives. May there be a burden on our hearts that say, even if I reach one person, Lord, I'm just going to keep saying yes to you. I'm going to keep following you. I'm going to keep listening to you. Lord, I know that you can use me. It's not a distance anymore. That's my calling. Would you do this in our hearts today, Father? Pray this in Jesus' name.